Wow. I want to welcome you here this morning. I want to welcome both of our campuses here this morning. If you're worshiping with us from the city of LaGrange, I want to welcome you. In fact, right now, I want our Noonan campus to just give our LaGrange campus a big round of applause. Can you do that? That's awesome. I want our LaGrange campus to do the same thing. I know they're hooping and hollering down there in Troop County. Listen, I'm so excited. It's awesome to think as our church has gone multi-site what the Lord is doing. We have over 200 folks down there every week worshiping with us live, simulcast. It's awesome. And uh, one of the things I love so much is to hear stories of life change that are happening at all of our campuses. So we praise God for that. Hey, we're in this series uh, called This Life. And if you watch that video, it's very telling when you think about it. Some of you are like, I'm on my last jelly bean, okay? And uh, I'm glad on your last jelly bean you came to Southcrest. So look at your neighbor and say, you got one jelly bean left, all right? Do that real quickly. Some of you go, I just ate that jelly bean. All right, I'm hungry this morning. If you're like me, uh, there's a, a time in my life, I do this about once a year, I make this appointment and I go see the eye doctor. And uh, how many of you guys wear prescription lenses, contacts, all that good jive, you know? And uh, some of us, some of us are, are like faking it. Like some of you are wearing glasses that don't have any prescription in them. And I just want to say, hey, you're cooler than the other side of my pillow, Okay. <laughs> But uh, for me, I wear corrective lenses. In fact, my vision is so bad that if I take these out, I can't even see you. So many Sundays when I feel nervous, I just take my contacts out. <laughs> and uh, I feel really good about that. But when I go to the eye doctor, it never fails. I go in and I sit down and he pulls this machine up in front of me and he puts it in front of my eyes and he begins to test my eyes. And then he does this, and I know some of you have had this experience where he literally says, okay, now I'm going sh- to put your eyes through a different set of lenses, and I want you to tell me which set of lenses is clearer. And then he goes, one or two, two or three, three or four. And I don't know about you, I get real confused in that moment, okay? I mean, one looks like four, and seven looks like nine, and two looks like I don't know what. And, uh, and then, if not to make it any worse or to embarrass me anymore, he says, now I'm going to turn this uh, machine off here, and uh, I'm going to put this chart on the wall, and I want you to start reading the lines of the chart. And so we, we, we created one of these charts here today because some of you are as cool as me. And I start reading this chart, and man, I'm like money on like line one, line two. I'm like, yes, F-P-O-T-O-Z-L-P, you know, P-C-P-A-D-D-H-D, you know. <laughs> I'm like, hey, this is great, man. This is awesome. And then he says, well, I want you to attempt to read the last line on that chart. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, listen, I'm paying you money to examine my eyes, okay? You're probably, you're going to put this on YouTube, right? You're going to be like, hey, let's watch the preacher guy try to read the last line. And so I start to read the last line, and I start to read out, and I'm like, P-R-H-O-L. And what do you do? About halfway through, you start second-guessing yourself. You don't know what letter you're on. And so what do you do? You start making up letters. Z, W, H, Y. And the eye doctor, I mean, he's looking at you like, dude, man, you're faking it. You know what? I look at that eye chart. In fact, let's bring that eye chart back real quick if we can do that. I want you guys to try to read that last line. Do it real quick, okay? Come on, smarty pants, (laughs) all right? As... Oh, I love it. I love it. At both of our campuses today, people are reading this eye chart going, wow, I've got horrible vision, okay? 
that's why I'm glad you're here today, because here's what we do in life. When we think about our life, and we think about the jelly beans or the days that God has given us, and last week we talked about the brevity of our life. The psalmist said, hey, if I knew how short my life was, I would gain a heart of wisdom, and I would make sure that every day counts, because it's not about the day you die, it's about the dash you live. So with all that being true, here's what we do. We do the same thing in our life that we do at an eye exam. You see, when I go to the eye doctor and I don't know what those letters mean, I start making stuff up. And I usually guess wrong. And I usually guess so wrong that I make the optometrist laugh. But in life, we do the same thing. When we see our lives and we attempt to look at this life and say, how do I maximize this life that God has given me? If we don't have clarity of what God wants us to do in our life, we will be like that eye chart, the last line. We just start making stuff up. And many times we get it wrong, and so that can be very, very dangerous in our life. You know, today in our series, we're going to talk about how we can have better vision for this life. So if you have a pen, I want you to write a few things down. First of all, a personal vision for this life, because that's what we're talking about, can bring clarity to our decisions and passion to our purpose. A personal vision for this life, you and I gaining clarity about what God wants us to do with this life, can bring us clarity to our decisions in life, and passion to our purpose in life. We shared last week that when we have this sense of urgency in our life, remember one of our steps was do it now. Think next step now. When we know what God wants us to do and we begin to operate in it, it brings urgency, which also brings a sense of destiny to our lives. Now, here's what happens, though. When we don't know what our decisions are, and we don't have clarity of vision for our life, we begin to allow our feelings and our circumstances tell us what we should do. And let me just say, that's a very scary point. If you allow your feelings to be the major vision caster in your life, then every time you eat at a bad restaurant, your life is going to go south. Every time you have a circumstance in your life, like a flat tire or something that happens to you, and and life is not about what happens to you, God has a bigger plan and he has a, a bigger purpose for that than our lives. Why? Because a personal vision for our life can bring clarity to our decisions and passion to our purpose in this life. So I don't know about you, I want to tap into that. You know, I was thinking back, I know one of the greatest scriptures we all know is Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, you know, to give you a hope and a future. And, and every time I read that, sometimes I read that so fast, just like you do, that you forget, hey, God has a plan for my life. God really does have a plan for my life. Listen, God has a plan for your life. Now, let me ask you, if you think God's plan is so awesome and as amazing as I think it is, why wouldn't God want to show you his plan? Some of you go, well, God's hiding it from me. No, he's not. He's waiting for you to say, I want to get clarity about God's plan for my life. Think about it this uh, this way. How differently would you live this life 
if you had the clarity and the vision of God's plan to walk in it daily. How different. Here's what I know about you and here's what I know about me. When I have clarity about the vision that God has given me for this life, I'm unstoppable. And you know what? You're the same way. When you walk in that clarity, it's no longer about the brevity of your life. It's about finding the clarity of what God wants you to do and operating in that clarity. So write this down. This is very key for us to understand before we jump into the scriptures today. Life is full of uncertainty. Can I get an amen? Life is is full of uncertainty, but it doesn't have to be full of unclarity. You see, our lives are full of uncertainty. We don't know what gas prices are going to do. Keep going down, man. Keep going down. All right? We don't know how much taxes we're going to pay three years from now. We don't know what new disease will come on the scene. We, so much uncertainty. And listen, life is full of uncertainty, but it doesn't have to be full of unclarity. God wants us to have a vision for the life that's this life. And we're going to talk about that a lot today. Let me say it a different way. Clarity about this life will help you and I overcome the uncertainty of life. Because things are just going to happen. And I don't know about you, I don't want to be a product of all of the uncertainty of this world. I want to have a clear vision for my life, the way God sees it, and I want to operate in that. So if you have your Bible today, turn to the book of Nehemiah chapter 1. Let me just say this. I'm so jealous. I wish I could preach the whole book of Nehemiah today. It's one of my favorite Old Testament books in the Bible. Some of you go, hey, isn't that the shortest guy in the Bible? Yes, Nehemiah. Okay. No, that's not the shortest guy. A guy asked me that yesterday. I was like, no, bro, that's not true. Um, Bad theology there. No, I'm just teasing. Uh, The truth is this. um, This book, Nehemiah, is one of the greatest books about getting a personal vision for our life. And someday we're going to come back and we're going to teach through the whole book and kind of unpack it more and more. But today we're just going to, we're going to toss into just a portion of this scripture and we're going to see uh, what a personal vision can do in an individual's life. So if you have your Bible, turn to Nehemiah chapter 1 and starting with verse 1, let's read what the Bible says. It says, the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. Now, that is a weird name for your dad, okay? Hey, Pops, that'd be a better name, but the son of Hakaliah. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I was questioning them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. And they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned. Verse 4, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments... Let your ear be attentive and let your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant as praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. Now look down at verse 11 real quick. Lord, 
Let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. And then listen to what he says. This is a great way to end a chapter. I was the cupbearer to the king. You know, who was Nehemiah? You think about it. I mean, we could do a whole message just on Nehemiah's life. Basically, he was a cupbearer, okay? And the Bible says that when his brother came to him and told him about the condition of the wall of Jerusalem, he was so messed up by it. He was so broken over it. He was so moved by it that he cried and he fasted and he prayed and he went before God and he got really bold and he got really intentional and, and, and he prayed. He said, Lord, I've got to do something about this. Would you do something? You see, here's what's crazy about Nehemiah's life. He was moved to the point that he had to do something about it. But I want you to look at it. Who was he? He was just the cupbearer to the king. You say, well, what's a cupbearer? Well, it's kind of like a modern-day butler. Now, here's the thing. He was so broken by what he heard, God began to do something in his life and give him a personal vision that changed those around him. You see, Nehemiah, if he would have lived only to his title, would have done very little to change others' lives. But he didn't. See, here's what we don't realize about the cupbearer to the king. Nehemiah would have probably stood before the king. He knew nothing about construction. He only knew about wine tasting. And he would stand there probably many times, and any time the king would drink from his, his, his cup, Nehemiah had to be the first one to taste it to make sure that somebody hadn't poisoned the king. Now, that's a very dangerous job and a very cush job, okay, all at the same time. But Nehemiah probably, can you imagine the conversations he heard? Can you imagine the decisions that maybe the king looked over at him and said, hey, Nehemiah, what do you think? Can you imagine the position that God gave him that allowed him to leverage the influence of his life? You see, some of us, the reason we struggle with having vision for our life is we're too hung up on our title. Well, I'm just a mom. I'm just a school teacher. I'm just a construction worker. Man, I'm just a pilot. Man, I'm just, I just work at a bank. What influence do I have? <laughs> oh, you have tons of influence. So he's the cupbearer to the king. And here's what Nehemiah decided to do. I'm going to look past my qualifications and I'm going to begin to operate in my passion. Because here's what I know it is true about you and here's what I know that is true about me. Every single person at both of our campuses, you have a deeper passion than your title. You got something that wakes you up at night. You got something that when you get up in the morning says... Man, I got to do that. Let me ask you a question today. Who are you? Well, I'm no cupbearer to the king. But who are you? What moves you? 
What is it about your life or your world that you live in that you stop just like I do many times and I say, I can do something about that. I can make a difference. I have a vision to see what God sees in that area, in that arena of life, and I can do something about that because God has given me this life to have a personal vision to bring clarity and passion to my purpose. Who are you? What wakes you up at night? What burns in your soul that at the end of your life you want to look back and say, I did it. For Nehemiah, when he heard the story of the walls broken down, he was moved. So I want to talk about how you and I can get a personal vision for our life, because this is so important. You know, sometimes a vision is born out of a burden of an opportunity. His brother comes to him. He probably wasn't wanting to know everything that had gone on in the city of Jerusalem. He kind of knew that they had been exiled. He knew all this other stuff was going on. But yet when he heard what was going on, he didn't do what we do many times when God wants to give us a personal vision. Uh, That's someone else's job. Uh, That's someone else's problem. He didn't do that. He stuck in there. And through the burden of an opportunity, God used this one man who was the cupbearer to the king to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. You know, one of the struggles we have of living in the information age, if you think about it, is desensitization. We have so much information. I mean, you can go on Facebook and somebody gets married 20 minutes ago, and an hour and a half ago, someone just found out they have a brain tumor. And then three hours ago, somebody just had their first child. Have you ever thought about that, how that wrecks our world a little bit? I mean, that can kind of screw up our clarity of vision in life. I'm sure that Nehemiah, with all the information, had a decision to make. Am I going to be desensitized by what I hear, or am I going to be moved? So here's what we need to gain a personal vision. We need to have a 2020 experience. You say, what is that? Well, you see, if I take out my contacts today and I begin to look at you without corrective lenses, I cannot see 2020. And 2020 is basically clarity at 20 feet away. I see clearly where I'm supposed to see. Let me ask you this. In our lives, if God gives us a 2020 experience, can you imagine how that would affect this life? Can you imagine how it would affect your neighborhood, your school, your sports team? Man, it's amazing. You see, a 2020 experience is this. When we see God's plan clearly and we begin to walk in it. When we see God's plan clearly and we begin to just walk in the clarity of what God's showing us. You say, Sean, that sounds too simple. Well, here's the problem. Many times, just like you and I, when we go to the eye doctor, what do they do? They say, hey, your vision's bad. We're going to give you this lens. Or we're going to give you this, we call it a modality, but basically we're going to give you something to compensate for your lack of what? Vision. Can I give you a hard truth today, but the most liberating truth? In fact, this truth ought to change us more than anything else. The lens 
for God's vision for our life, it's the Word of God. See, it's kind of like this. I got this basket over here. Here's what we do in life, okay? We look and we say, hey, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this life. I know that I'm running out of jelly beans. I know that I don't have many left. I I don't want to just think about how brief my life is, but I want to have a personal vision and I want to make a difference. So what do we do? We go to our families and we say, hey, mom and dad, who am I? What am I supposed to be? And so we begin to put on the, the vision of what our parents think of us. And some of you in this room, you had parents that never told you anything good about who you are, and they told you you're never going to amount to nothing. And so you spend every day of your waking life looking through the lens of what your mom and dad thought of you. Bad decision. Some of you in this room, you got friends. Everybody's got friends, right? Friends who wear white, cool sunglasses, okay? And, and your friends, they say, hey, this is who you could be, man. I see you doing this. I see you. And, and you know what? That's, that's pretty good. But it may not bring us to 2020, okay? It may not truly change us to see the way we need to see. So we got to be careful. And then we've got social media, right? Woo! Those are some hard readers right there, friend. That's about a 2.5. And let me just say this. If you wear a 2.5, bless your cotton-picking heart, okay? This is, wow, some of your heads just exploded, okay? And I'm having a, whoa, I don't need, okay, this is good. But here's what we do. We go to social media, and we compare ourselves to everyone else, and they go, well, man, she looks so hot. She's twinning with her friends, you know? All this stuff's going on, and, 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 Wow, what a horrible lens to see our life through social media. And then we've got our job, you know. Everyone on our job tells us, oh, man, that's like a 3.5 right there, okay? On our job, our job says, hey, we like you. We're going to pay you more money. You must be worth something. That's a horrible lens. And we go through lens after lens after lens. And let me tell you, folks, this is where it's at. You make no bones about it. You want to have clarity of vision for your life? It is the Word of God. I have never been more clear for who Sean Smith is than when I open this book because it doesn't matter what Facebook says. It matters what this book says. Amen? Get you some of that. I'm going to have a personal vision for my life, and if I'm going to have it, I'm going to get it through the lens of God's Word. So how do you do this? Think about it this way. When we begin to believe what God says, we will see what God sees. And if that's true, then we got to know how to get a vision. So you got to listen really quickly because I'm about to give you a phrase that's going to blow our minds. Okay, you ready? I'm going to say it very quickly. I see, I feel, I realize, I can, I will. Say it with me. I see, I feel, I realize, I can, I will. You go, whoa, what was that? Too much coffee, Sean. I want to break it down for you. It begins by, I see what God sees. Nehemiah heard the report, and he saw what God saw. God's people were being defamed. They were being defrauded. God's glory was being robbed because the, the wall being broken down was, would be like someone walking into this church today and saying, I hate Southcrest. I'm burning that place to the ground. Some of you would walk in and you'd say, I wonder how God sees that. 
A vision for your life and for my life begins with saying, I see what God sees. Here's how you see what God sees. You got to spend time praying and reading his word. You want great faith? I mean, I remember growing up, I wanted my name and I wanted my face on a Wheaties box. Y'all remember that? I mean, they put Mary Lou Retton on that thing. You know, they put Dan Marino. I, I wanted my face on that Wheaties box. But you remember Wheaties? You remember what they used to say? If you're going to play like the big boys play, you got you to gotta eat like the big boys eat. If you're going to see what God sees, you got to spend time with him. The Wheaties of your life is your time alone with God, whether it's five minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, 15, it doesn't matter. It's about seeking his face, reading his word, knowing his truth, spending time with him, soaking your heart in time with God will help you see what God sees. Number two, you've got to feel what God feels. It's not just seeing what God sees, but feel what God feels. I respond to God and I begin to surrender to him. Nehemiah saw what God saw. He saw the breaking down. What did he do? The Bible says he mourned and he wept and he fasted and he prayed. He began to respond to God. He didn't run from the vision. He didn't run away like, hey, that's somebody else's job. He ran to the vision. He got on his face and he said, Lord, let your ear hear what I'm about to call out to you. Man. He began to feel what God feels. You know what's cool about getting a personal vision for your life? When you begin to see what God says about your life, and you begin to feel what God feels about your life, it frees you up in the areas of surrender in your life. Because you become more dependent on him. Not only that, I see, I feel, I realize. Now here's where the vision gets really cool. I realize God has a plan. I realize God has a plan. For Nehemiah, if you go back and read chapter 2, what did he do? When he began praying, he got off his, his face and he began to look at what needed to happen. Hey, we got to get some materials together, but before I do any of this, i got to go have a conversation with the king. And it might get sticky. So what did he do? He, he began to formulate the plan and he walked into the king and said, hey, this is what I need to go do. I mean, he risked everything. You begin to realize God has a plan. God shows me a plan of action. I'm going to talk about that more in a second. The next one, I can. I see, I will, I realize, I can. I can do it by faith. Not by myself, not in my own strength, but not only did God give me a plan, but God begins to give me a measure of faith to say, Sean, go do it. Go do it. When we begin to operate that way, God begins to blow up our faith. God, give me faith to act on it. Listen to it. It's kind of like this. Faith is not knowing everything to make the right decision. You will never know all the factors to make the right decision in your life. Well, I got to know everything before I decide. No, 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 no. That's not faith. Faith is not knowing everything to make the right decision. Faith is knowing God well enough to make the right decision. Did you hear that? It's not knowing all the factors so you can get it. It, that's dependent on you. It's knowing God well enough to say, God's wooing me to do this and I'm going to go do it and I'm going to begin to act in faith. 
Listen, some of you in the area of service, you're like, well, man, I don't know that I can work with teenagers. Listen, get out and trust God. Begin to pray, Lord, I know that I see these teenagers. I want to I impact their life. I want to change that. I want to see God radically change them like he changed me. Listen, get out and start doing it. Walk in faith. I can by faith do this. And then the last one, and this is so important, I will. You see, there's something awesome about seeing it feeling it, realizing that God's giving you a plan to do it, giving you a measure of faith to step out in it. But that, that last place where it says, I will act on what the Lord has shown me. I will act on what the Lord has shown me. I love this part because this is the part where we begin to trust him and watch the results happen. Why is this so important? Here's why this is so important. Because if you and I don't have a personal vision for our life, we're going to keep giving away jelly beans every day to things that don't matter. And God didn't give us this next day to give our life away to things that don't matter. So how do I make it walk in my life? First of all, let me give you some thoughts Number one, write it down and make it clear. Write it down. I heard a guy say, Sean, you ought to have a vision that's so clear that you could take one napkin at a restaurant and write it down on a napkin. It ought to be so clear and so simple it fits on a napkin at a restaurant. Some of you want to write a book. Don't get so complicated. Okay, God ain't that complicated. Some of you are more complicated than God is. (laughs) God ain't that complicated. When he makes it clear to you, write it down. In the Bible, there's a a guy by the name of Habakkuk. He begins to question God, and he begins to say, God, why are all these things happening? What is it you want to do for your people? And and, and in chapter 2 of Habakkuk, he gives us a great principle of what to do when God gives you a vision. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, it says, Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation, write down the vision, and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time, and it speaks to the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it, it will certainly come and will not delay. Here's why you need to write it down. If it's not clear to you, it will not be clear to the world around you. Write it down. Make it clear. Number two, wait for it. You see, that's where we struggle sometimes with having a vision for our life. We don't want to wait for it. I mean, we live in the world of Instagram. Everything is 39 seconds ago. The Bible says here that every vision for the revelation, the vision awaits an appointed time. Every vision has an appointed time. And I want to tell you this today too. Every vision has a life cycle. Some dreams that you had in high school, okay, you need to let die. Okay, you don't have one more year of eligibility left at a D1 school. That day's over for you. Okay, and don't act like you do. Ah, well, if they'd call me, you know. (laughs) Truth is, come on guys, let's be real. Women, it's the same way. You may need to get rid of that number of that dress size you think that you should have worn when you were 19, okay? It ain't happening. God's a good God, okay? He's going to take what he got and he's going to work with it. But the truth is, every vision has a life cycle. A time when it's born, a time when it grows, 
in a time when it dies, in a time when it's reborn. And some of you, and this is what I've prayed for our church all week long, God needs to give some of you a new vision for your life. You're operating out of someone's old vision for who you are. And you keep looking back going, why am I not getting the result? Listen, because that day's over. Write it down, make it clear, and wait for it. Lord, what do you want me to do? Give me the faith and courage to do it. So here's the way I think of it. You know, in our lives, a personal vision doesn't just affect us. It will affect the world around us. There's a very awesome passage of Scripture. I hear it quoted a lot of times, and, and, and it's a very, very wise piece of Scripture. It's in Proverbs 29, 18, and some of you have heard this. It says, where there is no vision or where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. In some translations, in the New King James and King James, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And I began contemplating that verse this week, saying, Lord, what does that mean for us in our personal lives, speaking of this life? And here was the thought the Lord gave me. Sean, if you don't have a vision for your life, it could drastically affect the world that you live in. And if you do have a vision for your life, it could drastically affect the world that you live in. See, here's what's, here's what's our struggle. We look back to just like Nehemiah and we go, man, I'm just the cupbearer to the king. God goes, no. I've given every one of you a measure of influence. And if you don't have a personal vision to walk in the clarity of what God has for your life through the lens of God's word, it's going to affect other people. Let me, let, me, let me say it to you this way. Some of you may not know this individual. If you grew up in the generation I did, you probably did. But there was a boy that was born in 1914 in New York City to a family of Russian immigrants. He was the first family member in his family to ever attend college. He attended NYU medical school and was invited to help develop the flu vaccine. You say, oh, yeah, yeah. In 1947, he accepted an appointment to Pittsburgh University. And he saw an opportunity to study infant paralysis, known as polio. His name is Jonas Salk. You see, I often ask the question, what if Jonas Salk would have said, you know what, I have all these other things that I want to do with my life. I don't know that I want to go study infant paralysis. I'm too educated for that. I'm too smart. For... No, 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 no. Listen, listen. He studied for eight years. He came up with over a hundred different vaccines that failed. When asked, do you ever feel like a failure? Like you tried a hundred different times to create this vaccine. Here's what he said. He said, all I did was realize I created a hundred different ways not to kill polio. He said, but I realized it only took one. You see, in the 50s, some of you... I wasn't around in those days, but some of you remember the scare of polio. During the summertime, parents wouldn't even let their kids go outside many times because they were afraid that they would contract polio. But in 1955, Jonas Salk 
developed a vaccine that changed humanity. And they came to him and they said, hey, listen, you could be a multiple, multiple millionaire if you will just patent this. And he refused to patent the vaccine for polio. He said, this here could change humanity. A hundred failures, eight years. The only kid in his family to go to college. He was just the cupbearer to the king. I want to ask you a question today. Has God given you a personal vision? Who are you? What keeps you awake at night? Are you willing to get in God's word and spend enough time with him that he will give you a vision that may scare you to death but could change the world? Let's pray. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed at both of our campuses today, I want to tell you that, you know, the greatest vision that God has for our lives is salvation. I mean, it's not hard. You may be here today and you may be like, wow, I mean, like, what if, what if God were to take my life and do something significant with it? That is going to come as a result of a relationship with him. It's not about being religious. It's not about trying harder. It's not about dotting all the the right things in your life and filling in all the right... Listen, it's about knowing Jesus in a personal relationship. And with our heads bowed and our eyes closed at both of our campuses today, I want to ask you this question. Do you know Jesus in a personal way? Do you have a relationship with him? Has there ever been a time or a moment or a place in your life when, when you and he have begun a relationship? I didn't ask if you attended church. Do you know him? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you've never made that decision today, I want to give you that opportunity before we leave. Would you just pray this prayer? Just say, dear God, thank you for bringing me here today. Thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for me on the cross. And Lord, today I invite you to come into my life to forgive me of my sin and to be my Lord and to be my Savior. Lord, I receive your vision for my life in salvation. Come into my life and save me.